All right. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing this morning? Hey, it's so good to see you on and welcome you to Canyon Creek. I also want to take a second, welcome those who are joining us online from home for our live stream service. We're glad that you're tuning in today. Man, if you're here for the first time or the first time in a while, I want to ask you to do me a favor this morning during service, fill out our Connect card. Uh, There's a few ways you can do that. You can scan the code behind me or text us. Our number's on the screen. Or if you received a bulletin on your way in, you can fill out that card, tear it out and drop it in the plates as you leave today. We just want to get some information from you so that we can serve you the best way that we can. But man, glad you're here this morning. We're going to start a new series today uh, called The World is Watching. And I'm really excited about this series. Uh, For the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the work that God wants to do through our lives. Everybody say through. The reality is God not only wants to work in your life, he also wants to work through your life. He wants to change the world. And the way that he does that is by working through us. Uh, God has a desire to radically change lives across central Texas. We believe that as a church, right? That there are people here in our city that need to have a life-altering relationship with Jesus Christ, where it's not about rules and religion. We believe that a relationship with Jesus changes people's lives. And I don't know about you, but I believe that God's not done yet. Right? He's not done with us. He's not done with our church. He's not done with our city, with our region. He's not done with the world. There are still people here walking this planet today that God wants to reach. Right? He wants to bring freedom to people who are bound in sin. He wants to bring peace to people who are oppressed with fear and worry. He wants to bring hope to people who are depressed and hopeless. He wants to bring purpose to people who are aimless. He wants to bring eternal life to people who are destined for hell. We serve a God who wants to do all of these things. And that's what we're all about here, right? Remember, our mission is to know Jesus and make Jesus known. We don't just want to grow a great church, right? Now, we do want our church to grow. Don't hear what I'm not saying. We do want more and more people to be here, but it's not because we just want to put people in seats. It's because we desperately and passionately believe that God still wants to change people's lives. And I believe that so strongly because I've seen the work that God has done in my life, right? I look at my life and I'm like, man, God has done such a powerful work in my life and he's not finished yet, praise God, right? I'm still a work in progress. I still have a long way to go. You'll find that out today. Uh, But in 10 more years, I hope to look back and say, man, God has done so much more in my life. The point is God is still working. God is still moving. He's working in my life. He's working in your life. And we need to allow him to work through our lives, okay? The state that the world is in today, we're not here because God has stopped working. We're here because Christians have stopped allowing him to work through them. That's where we're at, okay? And when I see people who are lost and hurting, my heart says, I want to see God do for you what I've seen him do for me. That's my heart. That's my prayer. And if you've had a life-altering experience with Jesus, that's your heart too. I know it is, right? We love people. And we hate to see people who are lost and aimless and hopeless and caught up in sin. It's destroying their lives. We hate it when people don't know Jesus. So we want to do everything we can to, to help people see people's lives transformed by Jesus Christ. And the way that happens is when we make a shift, right? Lives are transformed by Jesus when we move from a place where God is just working in our lives to a place where God is working through our lives, Now, we absolutely need both, right? We need God to work in our lives, right? 
I'm very thankful for the work that God has done in my life. Again, I want the same thing for you. That's a part of what it means to be a part of the local church, right? We come together and we build each other up and we strengthen each other. We encourage each other. We learn the word of God together. And then God begins to do a work in our lives. It's a powerful, powerful thing. But there's a shift that God calls us to make. And again, that shift is where we must move from a place where God is just working in our lives to a place where he is now working through our lives, okay? He created each and every one of us to make a difference. He created us to to change the world. And that's really what I wanna talk about in this series is how we can change the world around us by allowing God to work through us, all right? The text we're gonna take a look at today is Ephesians chapter two, just a couple verses. In these verses, Paul explains this transition for us that I'm talking about, this shift that we need to make from where God is just working in our lives to where God is working through our lives. Let's take a look. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. This is what it says. It says, for you are saved by grace through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works so that no one can boast. We're gonna pause right here for a second, okay? Let me just tell you what this verse is telling you. It's telling you that God loves you so much, okay? And your salvation is not dependent on how good you are. Your salvation is not dependent on how many good things you've done. Your salvation is not dependent on your list of accomplishments and successes. It's only when you come to God and believe in him and trust in him and the work that he did for you on the cross, paying the penalty for your sin, that's why you're able to have eternal life in him. That's what Paul is telling us. That's what Paul's talking about. In other words, Paul's saying it's not about you, okay? It's not about how righteous you are. It's not about what you've done. It's not because you're awesome. It's not because you've got it all figured out. It's because of what Jesus did, okay? Paul is talking about the work that God has done in our lives, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say this in verse 10. He says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So if we put these three verses together, Paul is saying, You have this incredible gift of salvation. And it's not because of what you've done. It's because of what God has done in you. It's because of the work he's done in your life. It's because of the work he did for you on the cross. But he doesn't stop there. Now Paul says, God created you in Christ Jesus for good works. Good works, the Bible says, that he prepared ahead of time for you to do. This is what we're called to do, okay? In other words, God not only wants to work in your life, He also wants to work through your life. And I share this all the time, but as we read through scripture, we find that God typically works his plans through people, right? We've talked about this before. Think about Noah. Could God have just found an easier way to save humanity, right? Even if he chose the flood, could God have created an ark and sent it on the water to Noah? Absolutely he could have, but what did he choose to do? He had Noah build the ark, right? Think again about the story of David. Could David, could God have have killed Goliath and saved the Israelites all on his own? Absolutely, right? But what did God do? He chose to work through this guy named David. Could God have reached the Roman people on his own without Paul? Absolutely. God is big enough to do all of these things on his own, right? But what did he choose to do? He chose to send a guy named Paul to Rome. So as we read through scripture, we find that God works his plans oftentimes through people. And he's looking for people that he can use right here in Temple, Texas, right? 
Even in 2024, God's looking for people who are willing to say, here I am, send me, right? And my question for you today is this, are you one of those people? Are you one of the people who are willing to say, here I am, send me, right? Are you one of the people who are willing to say, here I am, use me? Have you come to a point in your life where you're able to say, God has done something in me, and I realize that this isn't the end, right? Are you one of those people who are willing to say, I'm not just gonna be a selfish Christian who wants to come in and be fed. Instead, are you gonna be one of the ones that will stand up and say, here I am, send me, right? Here's my heart for us, my prayer for us through this series, it's this. Eternity should look different because we were willing to be used by God. That's it. I would love for us to get to heaven and see people who are there because we were willing to be used by God. Now, we're not the ones saving them, right? God is. But my hope for us is that we would be a church full of people who are willing to be used by God and that eternity would look different because of it, okay? We don't want to just come in here for an hour on Sunday and sing a few songs and learn a little bit and get all excited and then go home and eat fried chicken and forget all about it, right? It's not who we want to be. We want to come in here and we want to leave this place different. We want to come in here and leave on mission. I don't know about you, but I'd be happy if I got to heaven and one person came to me and said, I'm here today because you were willing to be used by God, right? I'm a life that was changed. I'm here today because God used you. Thank you for serving the Lord. Thank you for giving to the Lord. Can we be a church like that? Can we commit to being people who reach people? Can we commit to making Jesus known, right? Canyon Creek, it'll never be a club for the righteous people. It's a group of people who are different on mission to see lives radically changed by the good news of Jesus Christ. So for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about how we do that. We're gonna talk about sort of the nuts and bolts of what that looks like. We're gonna talk about how we can become people who can change the world around us by allowing God to work through us. And the goal is that when we do that, eternity will look different because we were willing to be used by God, okay? So we're gonna talk about how we make a difference, how we change the world. But today I wanna start with a very foundational idea and that's this. If we're going to make a difference, then we have to be different, I'm gonna say that again. If we're gonna make a difference, what do we have to do? We have to be different. And I bring this up for a very important reason because when I look at the church today, I see a bunch of people who are depressed and discouraged and mad and angry over how different the rest of the world is, okay? We've become obsessed with this reality. It's dominating our thoughts. It's dominating our conversations. Can you believe what the world is doing? Can you believe how bad it's got? It never used to be like this, right? Instead, we should realize that the difference between us and the world is the greatest opportunity we've ever had to reach people for Jesus. But I feel like that's a pretty good synopsis of where we are as Christians today. We're obsessed over what the world is doing. We're obsessed over where it's heading and we're discouraged, we're, we're depressed and it leads us to a place where we're mad and angry and we're frustrated and we become obsessed with it, okay? Listen, we need to stop being mad at the world for being lost and focus on being the light instead. That's it. Should we be surprised that the world is lost? No, unless you've been living under a rock forever, which maybe some of you have, <laughs> 
Should we be surprised that sinners are sinful? No, when was the last time you looked in the mirror, right? But we've gotten to a place where we're obsessed over what the world is doing and we've stopped asking God, what are you calling me to do? If we wanna make a difference, we have to be different, right? I love the way Martin Luther King said it. He said, darkness cannot overcome darkness. Only what can do that? Only light, right? And so many times when we see the darkness in the world, our response is essentially more darkness. We get mad, we get upset. Our response to darkness is more darkness and we're not gonna win the war that way, right? The only way we're gonna win the war is by lighting up the dark world we live in. That's the way we do it. And we've never had a greater opportunity to do that than we do right now, okay? Because what we see is that the world is moving further and further away from God. Right? There used to be, I never lived in a time like this, but there used to be this general esteem for Christian values right, and beliefs. People looked up to that, they respected that, and that's almost disappeared completely. The gap between Christianity and culture is growing wider and wider day by day, month by month, year by year, and we're obsessed over it. We're depressed, we're hopeless because we spend more time paying attention to the world and the news than we do praying to God. We have to realize this is the greatest opportunity we will ever have to reach people for Jesus. And here's why, okay? The further the world gets away from Christ, the darker the world gets. And the darker the world gets, the brighter God's light shines. What an opportunity. We're called to be people who shine the light of Jesus in the dark world that we live in. But in order for us to make a difference We have to be different. And when God's people are visibly different, evangelism becomes less about convincing someone to believe what you believe and more about demonstrating the faith you have in Jesus, okay? It's a demonstration. As the world shifts further and further away from God, we become visibly different. And people wonder, why do you have hope, right? When the rest of the world is hopeless, why do you have peace in this moment of adversity? It's no longer about us having to convince someone with our words to believe what we believe. They just see it demonstrated in our lives. That's the kind of evangelism we saw in the early church. We need to be people that demonstrate the work that God has done in our lives. And when we do that, it changes things, right? I was at Sam's Club a few weeks ago. I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but they... Stores now do this thing where you're there to shop, but there are also people positioned around the store that are trying to sell you things. And it bothers me more than anything else in this world, I'm pretty sure. Like, I'm gonna be really real with you this morning, right? These people will follow you around to try to get you to buy whatever it is that they're selling. And it bothers me to a degree that I didn't even know existed. Before I go in the store, I sit and pray in my truck asking God to give me patience and peace and kindness and love. And I, don't, I didn't know that it would bother me this much. And it's really, here's why it bothers me so much. It bothers me because they won't leave you alone. It bothers me because they don't know when to stop. And I can promise you one thing. And that's this, pestering me will never make me want to buy anything from you ever, okay? That's just me. But they're in Sam's, they're in Walmart, they're in Target selling electricity and phones and water dispensers. And I know they're trying to do their job and that's great, but you don't need to follow me around the store, right? Like when I'm done and I say no, it just means no. But I walked in one day, I was on the phone 
talking on the phone. And they came up to me. They're like, who's your phone provider? I'm like, you mean this thing that I'm talking on right now? Like this very second? It just bothers me so much. But I go, in, I go into the store and I need one thing. One thing at Sam's Club. And I make it past the cell phone people and the electricity people. And I picked up a few food samples because I'm always open to that, right? <laughs> but I get to the third guy. And the third guy, the third guy is selling knives. And when, when I say knives, I mean like this kind of knife. You know what I mean? And he's not usually there. And I make eye contact with him because I wasn't expecting him. And he doesn't say a word. He just grabs the knife and he starts cutting PVC pipe with it, right? And I've got my samples and we're, we're connected now, right? And he puts the pipe down and he grabs a tomato and he's, with his hand, he's just slicing this tomato like effortlessly. It's probably already been cut, you know, a dozen times or more. And then what really got me though, is he grabbed a tire and just stuck that knife in the tire and started cutting through it. And I was like, okay, you've got my attention, right? So I walk over, I'm like, tell me about this knife. How much is the knife? You know, he's like, well, it's $200, but it comes with these steak knives. And I I was like, yeah, you know, I can't buy this knife today, but if I ever need to slash tires or something, you know, like I'll give you a call. (laughs) But that is the power of demonstration. That's the power of demonstration, right? This man did not say a single word to me. He just demonstrated what he had to offer. And rather than saying, no, I'm good. No, I'm good. I stopped and talked with him, right? That's the power of demonstration. And that's what God calls us to do with our faith. He wants us to demonstrate the work that he's done in our lives. And as we do that, the world begins to see us and they begin to wonder what's different, right? But in order for us to make a difference, we have to be different, and when people observe, observe that there's something different about us, they want to find out more about it. They want to take a second look. And Jesus illustrates this for us, right? In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, he says, you are the light of the world. This is what he's saying of the people who believe in him. You're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. He says, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. Let's ask this about ourselves this morning. Is my light giving light for all who are in my home? Is my light giving light for all who are in my workplace? He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Okay, I love the way he closes this. And I want to explain this last verse to you. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, live your lives in such a way that when the world sees you, they say, I want to worship your God. That's it. Live your lives in such a way that when the world sees you, they say, I wanna know your God because they've seen the difference, but they're not going to see the difference unless you've demonstrated it. And we don't demonstrate with our words, trying to convince someone to believe what we believe. We demonstrate by the way we follow Jesus. That's who we're called to be. We're called to demonstrate our faith in Jesus Christ. We're called to shine the light of Jesus in a world that is getting darker day by day. And that's what I do with the salespeople at Sam's Club. I greet them with a smile. I'm nice and patient and kind. I say, no, thank you, I'm good today. But by the third time I have to say that, I'm just gonna walk on by, all right? But remember what Jesus said. 
He said, people will, will know, right, that you're my disciples by the way you what? By the way you love one another. It's not about what you said. It's not about what you did. In order for us to make a difference, we have to be different. People will know who you are because you're different. So my charge for you today is this, don't be afraid to be different. Okay, the only, only superpower that we have as Christians is that we're called to be different because of the work that God has done in our lives. And we cannot let that work stop right there. We have to allow God to work through us, okay? The way we become catalysts of change in Temple, Texas, is by beginning to allow God to make a difference by working through us, right? Well, how do I do that? When a coworker wrongs you, rather than giving it right back, right? Use it as an opportunity to show them some mercy and grace. And that could lead people to say, well, that wasn't how I would have responded to that, right? Let's talk about that. Something is different. Demonstrate your faith. When an election goes differently than you hoped it would go, how do we not be completely distraught? Well, we remember that our hope is not in a politician. It's in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that changes things that allows us to be different. We demonstrate our faith. When you make a mistake, you go to the person you wronged and you ask for forgiveness. That could lead people to say, there's something different about you. See, being different doesn't mean that you're gonna be perfect all the time. It just means that when you do wrong, and you will, that you're able to ask for forgiveness. Nothing has the power to change a situation more than going to a person and saying, hey, I messed up. I made a mistake. I did you wrong, and I wanna ask you for forgiveness. That's how we demonstrate our faith. We need to be able to do all of those things. Why? Because we have a confidence that the rest of the world does not have. We know that our lives are not defined by our successes and our failures. The, hard time, the world has a hard time admitting failure, admitting fault. Have you noticed that? No one wants to admit what they've done wrong because their lives are defined by their successes. But with us, our lives aren't defined by anything other than the cross of Jesus Christ. That's it. So we're able to have some humility. We're able to ask for forgiveness. And when we demonstrate our faith that way, it makes a difference. Here's one of the ones I've seen make the biggest difference, right? When someone we love dies and we navigate that loss with hope, it changes things. It makes a difference. It makes people wonder. Paul says, we do not mourn like the rest of the world who has no hope, right? Now, does Paul say that we shouldn't mourn? No. Does Paul say we shouldn't be sad? No, that's not what he said at all. He said, we mourn with hope. Because we know that the end of life on earth is just the beginning of eternity in heaven. And when we demonstrate that, it makes the difference. Hearts and lives have the potential to be radically changed by Jesus when we demonstrate what he's done in our lives. And that's what we're called to do. The greatest tool we have to change the world is not the words that we say. It's how we follow Jesus. And that's gonna be my challenge through this series. Let your light shine before others, right? That doesn't mean that we're just gonna go tell everyone to repent, no. We're gonna let the light shine. We're gonna demonstrate what God has done so that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. What does that verse mean? It means live your life in such a way that when other people see what's different about you, they say, I want to worship your God. That's how we change the world. Again, we have the greatest opportunity today to reach people for Jesus. Why? Because the darker the world gets, the brighter his light shines. We have an opportunity to stand out and make a difference in the world for Jesus, but this requires us to take a shift. In order for us to make a difference, we have to be different. 
We can no longer be obsessed over what the world is doing. Instead, we need to be consumed about being the church. Okay, our focus cannot be off. And when we're focusing on the world, our focus is off, okay? The world is desperate. And here's what the desperate world needs. They don't need us to focus on them. They need us to focus on Jesus. The desperate world, they don't need us to focus on what they're doing wrong. They need us to focus on what God is doing. Because when our focus is off, we are unable to make a difference. But when we focus our eyes on God, when we focus on what he's doing, when we focus on what he's calling us to do, when that shift takes place, that's when we're able to make a difference. That's when we're able to change the world. They need us to desperately demonstrate what God has done in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. When we demonstrate our faith in this way, that's when things begin to change. And that's how you change your home. It's how you change your workplace. It's how you change your neighborhood and our city and our region, Central Texas, our families, our marriages, our workplaces. We have to be different. The world is not in the place that it's in because God has stopped working. The world is in the place that it's in because Christians are more concerned with being fed than allowing God to work through them. The world's not going to change because we came here on Sunday morning. The world's not going to change because we sang some good songs. The world's not going to change because we listened to a good sermon. It's going to happen because people leave this place and demonstrate their faith. It's going to happen because people leave this place and love like Jesus. It's going to happen because people leave this place and hope in Jesus and trust in Jesus and share Jesus. So my challenge for you today is don't be afraid to be different. Don't be consumed with what the world is doing. Start consuming yourself with what God is doing. And here's the warning. If the enemy can get you to focus on the wrong things, then he can keep you from making a difference. A couple years ago, we took the youth group from our church, middle school and high school students, to beach camp in South Padre Island. And one afternoon, they had a sandcastle competition. So we entered with a group from our church, five of us. We're gonna build a sandcastle. We're gonna compete. Didn't turn out very well, but we tried our best. But we started building our sandcastle and they give you the tools. And there were things in this basket that I didn't even know we needed, right? We spent half of our time trying to figure out what they did. But while we were building our sandcastle, every 10 seconds, one of the kids in our group, he was like, oh man, do you see what they're doing over there? Right? I say, yeah, I see what they're doing over there. We keep working a few seconds like, man, do you see that, that moat they're digging over there? I'm like, yeah, hold on. I'll dig a moat. Just give me a second, right? Wow, do you see that bridge they built over the moat? All right, let's build a bridge, you know? We weren't getting anything done on our castle because we just kept looking over at what this other group was doing. And that's exactly what happens so often in our lives, right? We see what the world is doing and it keeps us from seeing what God wants to do through us. We say, oh man, did you see that on the news today? You see what the world is doing? You see what's happening in culture? Stop looking for that and start looking for what God wants to do through your life. And again, that warning, if the enemy can get you to focus on the wrong thing, if he can keep you from focusing on what God wants to do through you, then he can keep you from making the difference that God is calling you to make. And so often, so often, Christians never 
do the things that God calls them to do because they're too consumed with what the world is doing to ever even try to figure out what God wants to do through them. So this is the moment where we have to say, what do I do? What is God calling me to do? How do I apply this to my life? I wanna really quickly as we close today, give you a few shifts that we need to make to help us stay on mission. The first one is this, focus on shining your light, not on the things you cannot change. Rather than focusing on all the things you can't change, you need to focus on shining the light of Jesus. Matthew chapter five, again, verse 14, Jesus says, you are, he's talking about us, the light of the world. He says, a city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand and it gives light for all who are in the house. He says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Christians never make a difference because they're paralyzed by not knowing how. And it's not because they don't know how because no one ever taught them. It's because they don't know how because they focus too much on the world and not enough on what God wanted to do through them. They see what's going on, but they don't know what to do. So they don't do anything at all. And they think, well, you know what? I can't change it anyway. And you know what? You're probably right. You probably can't change it anyway. That's probably not your job. You're not going to change the entire world. But what has God called you to change? Okay. You're not going to change the entire city. But you can change your world. You can change your family. You can change your workplace. Your coworkers, your friends, you can demonstrate Jesus in that way. And when we stop focusing on the things that we simply cannot change, what God will reveal to us is a bunch of things that we can change by shining the light of Jesus. That's when we make a difference, okay? Here's the, the second shift. Focus on what God has called you to do, not on what the world is doing, okay? Kind of hand in hand here. Stop being obsessed with what's going wrong in the world and start becoming obsessed with the culture that you're creating in your life and in your home and in your marriage and in your relationships and in the things that you can change, okay? We'll make a much bigger difference for God if we focus less on what's going on in the White House and more on what's going on in our own house. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't be involved in politics. I'm not saying that we shouldn't vote. I'm not saying that you shouldn't care about what's going on in the White House. Don't hear what I'm not saying. You're an American, right? Do your due diligence. But if these things are consuming you, then you're focusing on the wrong thing and Satan is winning and you're allowing him to because he's keeping your eyes off of what God wants to do through you, okay? I can't pick up my phone and call the president or the former president, or any one of those people. I don't have the ability to do that. So I'm probably not gonna make a big difference there. But you know what I can do? I can start a grassroots movement in my family. I can change the world at my job. I can make a difference in my street, in my community, in all the places I go as I shine the light of Jesus. Focus on what God is calling you to do, not on what the world is doing. The majority of our focus needs to constantly remain on the work that God wants to do in and through your life. Remember, you're not gonna change the world. 
but you can change your world. You can make a difference in your home, in your family, at your job, person to person, coworker to coworker, apartment to apartment, house to house, as we leave this place and shine the light of Jesus. Focus more on what God has called you to do and less on what the world is doing, which leads us to the final thing, number three, be obedient to God and leave the results up to him. All right? Our job is not to be concerned about the outcome. Our job is to be concerned about obedience. Okay. God has not called you or me to be the all-powerful one who controls the outcomes of the world. That's too big for you, and it's far too big for me. Instead, he simply calls us to be obedient to him. That is your job. That's what he's called you to do. And if you're taking steps of obedience, you don't have to be concerned about what the outcome may be. You just concern yourself with taking that next step of obedience. Sometimes all we're responsible for is planting seeds, right? And even when we do that, the Bible tells us it's our job to plant the seeds, but it's God's job to make them grow, right? We just need to be obedient and leave the results up to him. So be obedient to God in every way that you can, every second, every moment of every day. Do what he's called you to do and leave the outcome to him. Remember, God is the main character of the story. He has a big part to play in all these things. He is our father. He is the righteous judge. He is the one who saves us. He's the one who convicts us. We're just called to be obedient to him. We're just called to demonstrate our faith in him. We're just called to plant the seeds and shine the light. And all of the problems arise when we start to try and play the role of God, right? All of my problems arise when I start to think it's my job. It's my job to take care of this. It's my job to judge. It's my job to save them. No, my job is to be obedient. Your job is to be obedient, to shine the light, to plant the seeds, walk in obedience to the Father and leave the results up to him. You can let that weight come off your shoulders because God has not called you to be the sovereign one over all things. He's just called you to be obedient to him. And there is a peace and a fulfillment that comes in your life when you do everything that he's called you to do and nothing more, leaving the rest to him. So my question for you today as I leave you is this. Are you gonna be one of these people? Are you willing to say, here I am, send me? Are you willing to say, here I am, send me? Are you willing to be obedient to him in everything he's called you to do? Are you willing to allow him to change the world through you? Are you willing to make eternity different for someone because of your yes to God? As we keep our focus on Jesus, God will use us. He will work through us. He will make a difference through us. He will change the world through us. The question is not, will he? The question is, are you willing to open your heart, your mind, your life, and your hands to say, God, here I am. Let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Father, we thank you so much for the powerful work that you've done in each and every one of our lives today. And we just pray, God, that you would begin to do a powerful work through us. God, we know the freedom, the hope, the joy, the peace 
the salvation that we've experienced, the forgiveness and mercy, God, the grace that we've experienced in our relationship with you. And we want others to experience that as well, God. So here we are. Use us. Give us the courage to be different. Make us different. I pray, God, that as we leave this place, that every single one of us would shine your light in the darkness that's all around us. God, we thank you that the darkness has not and will never overcome the light. God, we know that your light shines even brighter in the darkest darkness. So we pray, God, that you would give us the courage to shine that light. We pray that you would empower us, lead us, use us, send us, make a difference through us in our families, in our homes, our neighborhoods, our jobs, our city, our region, our world, because we were willing to be used by you. God, may eternity look different because of our obedience. With heads bowed and eyes closed for just a moment, maybe you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Let me tell you, this could be the greatest moment, the greatest day of your life, the greatest decision you'll ever make. The gospel tells us that you will find forgiveness and salvation nowhere else but in a relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life, and God sent him to this world. He lived a perfect life and died a sinner's death on a cross. He was buried in a tomb, but he didn't stay there. He came out of it alive so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know him, so that we could have a relationship with him and spend eternity in heaven with him. The invitation is open to you today. If you wanna place your faith and your trust in Jesus, I just wanna encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Church, let's make this our prayer together this morning. Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me today. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin and that you rose from the dead so that I could be saved. So today I turn away from my sin and I invite you to come into my heart and into my life so that I can know you and trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. I give it all to you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. You've been listening to the official podcast of Canyon Creek Baptist Church. If you made a decision to commit your life to Jesus or would like to get connected with Canyon Creek, visit us online at creekfamily.org forward slash connect and fill out a connect card. Thanks again for joining us.